Uh, well, good morning. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're here. Don't you love that opening video? <laughs> it uh, gives us kind of the atmosphere, spirit of Christmas. Are you excited? It's only a few days away, right? Um, I know your kids are excited, even if you're not excited. All right, we're in a series about Advent. Advent means coming and or waiting. Of course, we're going to talk about the initial coming 2,000 years ago. Uh, we celebrated Christmas, birth of God's son, Jesus. But um, he's coming again. And so we're in between the two comings. So we're, uh, you know, anticip- or celebrating the first coming and anticipating and looking forward to the second coming. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about the importance of being in God's presence. We said <clears throat> that we often practice, especially this time of year, religion, doing religious activities. Like we said, your neighbor may come to a Christmas Eve service. Uh, even if they're not Jesus followers, it's, it's just a religious activity. It's a way to celebrate for them this season. But way, 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 way more important than practicing religion is preparing for his presence. And if you're not a Jesus follower here this morning, we're glad that you're here. We're delighted you're here. Uh, but you're not celebrating Jesus' presence. You're celebrating a, a holiday. And for us Jesus followers, we're selling the fact that even now we celebrate his presence here in this place and in our lives. Then last week we talked about joy, and we're going to talk about that again some this morning. But joy is not based on our circumstances. It's based on the presence of God. So if you're in the presence of God, things cannot be going very well, and you're still in a state of peace and joy. Uh, things can be going good, and you're disconnected from God. You're probably disconnected from other people, and uh, there isn't much joy. So joy is based on the presence of God. Today's topic is a little different. I titled it this, Everything I Need to Know I Learned from the Wise Men. And that sounds familiar. It comes from a famous book written about 25 years ago titled, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. Now, about 15 years ago, I went to the dentist, our dentist's office every six months. I like going to the dentist, get my teeth clean. Anyway, they uh, lay you back in that chair and you stare at the ceiling. Well, he had put a poster on the ceiling. So I had something to look at, something to read, and this was the poster. And I thought it was pretty cool, uh, and may, many of you are familiar with it. Uh, now they have televisions with, you know, um, HGTV or something on it when, when you're in the dentist's office. But back then they had a poster. And it, it's simple but so profound uh, what it says here. So we're going to read through it quickly. Share everything. Good advice. Play fair. Don't hit people. Unless you want to get hit back, I guess. <laughs> uh, put things back where you find them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt someone. Good advice, right? Wash your hands before eating. Uh, flushing, that's a good thing. Uh, warm milk and cookies are good for you. Uh, I don't know if that's true, but it sounds good, right? Uh, take a nap every noon. Wouldn't that be great? And we had to be able to do that. Uh, live a balanced life. And especially this last one, like, be aware of wonder. Now, as simple and profound as that is, I think uh, we have some lessons, simple lessons and profound ones to learn from the wise men. Now, the wise men, a little bit about them. How many were there? We don't know, okay? We say three for a couple of reasons. One, because there's three gifts, right? Figure each one, somebody brought each one. Uh, 
We know there's more than one. We don't know how many there were. Then there's this song about three kings of Orient are. Uh, so it's in our mind there's three, but the Bible doesn't tell us how many they were. There could have been three. There could have been ten. Uh, they probably traveled in a, in a caravan, as we're going to talk about here in a second. Um, we know they came from some eastern direction. We don't know what country they came for, how far they came. Best guess is they came from Babylon, which is about a thousand miles. And as we talked about last week, people that those days didn't travel more than 30, 40 miles from their home. So a thousand miles is a huge, huge endeavor, especially without some commercial purpose. So they travel that distance. We think Babylon because the Israelites, like 600 years earlier, were carried off, many of them, the leaders. You know the story about Daniel? That story about Daniel and lions, and that all took place in Babylon. So uh, the Israelites were carried off into Babylon for a while. Many of them came back, but probably some of them stayed. So there was a group of people celebrating, or still Jewish people, in Babylon. So there would be, you know, texts about this prophecies and so forth that some people might have been aware of. And actually some of these uh, wise men or magi might have been uh, Jewish descendants. We don't know. Uh, the word magi comes from uh, the Persian word for priest. So the Babylonian priests were called magi, but by this time it kind of meant somebody that was kind of a scientist or astrologer or uh, someone like that, educated person. So we don't know how many they were. <laughs> we don't know where they came from. Um, but we know they, take, they play an p- important part in the Christmas story. So we're going to actually read through this, this part in, in Matthew chapter uh, 2 and make some comments. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. Now, <clears throat> King Herod was kind of an interesting guy. He was appointed by the Romans, and he wasn't even Jewish. <laughs> so the king of the Jewish people this time were, wasn't even Jewish, and so the people hated him for one reason, because he wasn't Jewish. Uh, but he was really kind of a, a cruel person, mean person. Now, his, he became famous because he was known as the builder. And he built lots of things like aqueducts. And he actually uh, refurbished the temple, which the people liked. Uh, so that was pretty cool. So he did that, built a lot of things. He was really kind of hung up on his legacy. He wanted to be famous and be, be known through, 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 through the years. Uh, the interesting thing is, we know him today, not, the good news is we still know about him today. The bad news is the reason we know about him, he's just in the footnote of this story about Jesus. So uh, he had like 10 wives, a whole bunch of sons. He, uh, he would pick a son to, to succeed him, and then he wouldn't like him, and he would change his will four times. He'd kill that son. Eventually, the sons didn't want to be in the, in the lineage anymore. Uh, he was just very uh, controlling, uh, very paranoid. And by the time that this story takes place, he's like 70 years old. He's really sick, uh, um, a lot of pain, some kidney or disease. We're not quite sure what it was. But that's the situation we're in. He's facing death. He's trying to keep control. He's trying to control his, 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 his legacy. And uh, then this happens. And you'll see why uh, it didn't turn out so well. So about that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem. Now, if you're looking for a king you re- and, you, and you arrive in this land where the star is, where do you think the king's going to be? Well, in the palace, and the palace is in Jerusalem. So they go to Jerusalem to look 
for this new king, newborn king of the Jews, as it says in the next verse. <clears throat> Where is the newborn king of the Jews? All right. Where is he? We know he's here somewhere. Where is he? And the reason we know is we saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. Now, King Herod was delighted to hear this, right? <laughs> King Herod was deeply disturbed. That's kind of uh, mildly, mildly putting it, all right? He was outraged. He was furious. You can just see his blood boiling at this point. I'm the king. Nobody else is king. And my, one of my sons, whoever I decide on, is going to be the next king. There's no other kings. So uh, he was disturbed, but so was everyone else in Jerusalem. Why was everybody else in Jerusalem disturbed? Well, they were disturbed because the king was disturbed. And it's kind of like if a king's not happy, nobody's happy. And he went around uh, killing all the, the rabbis and, and priests and, and so forth and people. And so uh, if the king's on edge, everybody else was on edge. Not because the king was, the newborn king was born, a newborn, yeah, king, uh, but because of the present king wasn't happy. So, Herod calls in the, the leading priests and religious guys and says, hey, where's this king supposed to be born? And they quote this passage from, from the book of Micah saying it's going to be in Bethlehem. All right, so he says, ah, we know where it's going to be. So while this is going on, after that, he calls for a private meeting of the wise men. And he said, okay, we know where this, you're, you're looking for this king, newborn king, we know where he is. <laughs> We learned the time the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem. That's really zeroing in on it, a small town. And search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me. Because I want to go and worship him too. Not. <laughs> uh, this was a trick. This was a lie, obviously. What's the last thing he wanted to do is worship this, this baby. We're going to find out he had something else in mind, didn't he? So after the interview, the wise men went their way, uh, went to Bethlehem. It's only like five miles. The star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. They went ahead of them and stopped at the place where the child, not infant, not baby, child. One of my pet peeves is when the wise men show up at the stable. They weren't there, okay? Uh, it kind of makes it a nice picture, but they weren't there. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. Can you imagine traveling a thousand miles on a, in a caravan for months of time through deserts and the dangers and just riding on a camel or whatever they're riding on, and you finally got there? You know, when I go eight hours on, to, on my trip for vacation, I'm saying, oh, we're finally here. Months of traveling, and they finally get there. And obviously, they're filled with joy, not because finally they got there, but because of who they found. So, they entered the house, not stable. <laughs> They're in a house at this point. We don't know why that uh, Mary and Joseph hung around in Bethlehem, because that's not where they were from. But at least for months, maybe a year, uh, they had settled down there to live. He probably got a job doing carpentry work and providing for his family, and they were still there. And they saw the child and his mother. They didn't even say Joseph is there. Uh, we assume he was there. Maybe he's out working. We don't know. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Now, again, we don't know if these are Jewish people 
descendants of Jewish people or, you know, what they call Gentiles, non-Jewish people. But they knew there was something special about this child. And because of that, they bowed down and worshipped him. And part of their worship, is, is like our worship, is, is giving of gifts or, or offering. They opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, there's significance to these gifts. Um, gold was usually a, a gift given to a king. And so they were looking for a king, so they brought him gold, which made sense. Um, frankincense was usually designated for, for deity, for gods. And so they were saying, this is, this is more than an earthly king. This is, this is a god. This is somebody that deserves our worship. So they gave him frankincense. But the fascinating thing is the myrrh. And in many of the Christmas carols it talks about, the myrrh was used for burial. And so it's prophesying or foreshadowing the fact that this baby was destined to die. Now, all was destined to die, but he was destined to die a special reason for us, on a special purpose uh, for you and, and for me. So they were willing to give something of great value of theirs to this child. So I question to you this morning, are you willing to give something of value that you have? And you need to decide that, uh, what it is. So after this, they, uh, the, the, the story goes on, says the wise men got a message from God that they were going to head a different way. Don't go back to King Herod. And so they didn't. And then Joseph gets his dream at night saying, hey, get your family together and get out of here. Head to Egypt. And it says that very night they got up and headed for Egypt. Uh, the king finds out he's been, the, the wise men didn't come back. And so he has his plan. Nobody else is going to be king but me, so I'm going to kill all the male children under the age of two. So I'm, we're, we're figuring this baby's not more than one, but he wants to make sure he gets it, gets him. And so he, and so one horrible day, if you lived in Bethlehem back then, if you had a male child, the soldiers came in and, 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 and murdered your children, your, your male children. Horrible. And uh, so not long after this, Herod's suffering from this, this painful disease. He was suffering so much he tried to commit suicide. And historians tell us, I think his cousin saved him. Uh, but eventually he dies. And one of his uh, sons become the next king. And then Joseph gets another <laughs> uh, dream, says, hey, it's okay, it's safe to go back. But he was a little hesitant, like we are sometimes. I'm not quite sure if this is a good idea. So he goes back, but he doesn't go back to Bethlehem because Herod's son's on the throne, right? You don't know about him. So that's when they wind up in, in Nazareth. And that's also prophesied in the Bible. So that's the story. What are some simple yet profound things you and I can learn from the wise men? I'm just going to share three this morning. First one's this. Wise men follow the star. We mean wise people. Okay, ladies, we're not excluding you this morning. All right, but this story... Uh, the whole Christmas story becomes like white noise to us sometimes. So, hey, yeah, I know that. And, and hopefully I gave you some, maybe some people said I, they learned some stuff this morning that they didn't know. Uh, that kind of helps. But can you kind of just re-engage your mind with the story this morning like it's the first time that you heard it? Uh, that, that'll help. So the wise men followed the star. Let me ask you, how many of you uh, spend time looking at the stars? 
Uh, now, I have an advantage over most of you. I can lay on my bed. I have a skylight over my bed. I can look at the stars while I'm laying in bed. But if I didn't do that, I'd very seldom look up at the stars and the beauty of the skies. Now, we have a great advantage now in recent years, put the picture up, that we've got pictures from the, you know, the Hubble telescope of this fantastic view of the universe and the multitude of stars and, and acknowledging it's like millions of years it took that, that, that light to, to get this far or, or God's, whatever way God wanted it to design it. So it's just, just the wonder. Uh, the Bible even says the, the heavens declare the glory of God. And yet we just kind of walk around without paying much attention. We can do a little survey here this morning. How many of you, while texting or looking at your phone, have walked into something? Raise your hand. Let's be honest. You walked into a wall. You tripped over something. Never not everybody's being honest. I know you're not. All right, we'll get you on this next one then. How many of you have been in a group setting and looked around and everybody was on their phone? Nobody was talking to each other. Put your hand up. Everybody put your hand up, all right? Okay. We've all been there, done that. What does it come to when instead of looking at the stars, we're looking at our phone? So my suggestion to you is get this picture and put it on your phone, right? We can enjoy the wonder of the heavens that God created. Jesus said we should be like little children. And the children have an awe uh, or wonder about them, don't you? When I take my grandkids walking down our road, our road is gravel and we're in the trees and in the woods. You know, I'm just walking. I don't see anything interesting. Everything's interesting to them. You know, the shape of this one little stick or the color of this little stone or this, this leaf. And before long, both of my hands are full of sticks and leaves and stones that just look like nothing to me. But they, they, there's a sense of wonder and awe to them. And I think that's part of what Jesus meant when he said, become like little children. Have we lost the awe? Have we lost the awe of the Christmas season? I hope, hopefully not. The interesting thing about the wise men, when they didn't just see the star, they followed the star. So I'm conjecturing, but there were some not so wise men, probably back in Babylon, that knew about the star. They didn't follow the star. So it's really more important to follow it than just being aware of it. Now, they didn't know where they were going, what they were going to find. Now, I shared this story back the Saturday before Thanksgiving. I run this 50-mile race, and then for the next three or four days, my legs are kind of sore, or like really sore. So I don't do much. But Thanksgiving, which is what, five days later, I'm getting kind of antsy because I like to be outside and and running and so forth. So I didn't run, but I started hiking. And my neighbor, Mike, uh, about half, third way down the road, uh, he's bought another house, another third of the way down the road. And he said, hey, you know, it's got 16 acres, you know, go check it out. Go kind of up the mountains, like one acre, 16 acres deep. So you go up from the road, and then there's kind of a field for a ways. And then you kind of, when you're on the field, you can kind of look over the valley. Then you get into the woods. And eventually I got to where... Never been there before, but I got to the place where his boundary markers were, and then uh, it got really steep, and it was kind of like mountain climbing almost, more than hiking. I didn't know exactly where I was going. I knew what right direction I was going. I knew eventually I would get to the Appalachian Trail, because <laughs> it's such on top. And so eventually I got there, then I knew where I was, I got where I wanted to be, and then I, I followed that home. So these guys didn't know where they were going. Uh, they knew the direction. And then they finally 
got there. <clears throat> and to me, this is one of the greatest examples of faith in the Bible. We don't even know if these are Jesus followers or God followers. And they go all this way to discover what is uh, beneath uh, this star. So I'm going to put it this way this morning. Pursuing God means going after the dream he gives. It's a big dream, like us going to Portugal or something smaller sometimes. Um, the, the little ones are harder, aren't they? Um, but who should have found Jesus? Uh, the Jewish leaders and the king, they're five miles away. These guys come a thousand miles, <laughs> to find him, five miles away, and they couldn't find him. And they went way, way out of their way. I'm sure you're like me. I don't want to go out of my way for much of anything. Uh, but often God calls us to go out of our way um, because of the, the dream or the star he gives. So wise men, wise people, follow the star. Secondly, wise men or wise people jump for joy. Now, one of my things about church people is this. We kind of tend to dwell more in our, our, too much on our sins and not enough on the good stuff. Uh, we think about the bad things we've done, and, but we don't celebrate the good things. And uh, I don't think it should be that way. In fact, the Westminster Catechism says the chief end of man is, we got it up there? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Not something, oh, I'll get to heaven, I'll enjoy Him. No, 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 no. As soon as you step across the line and become a Jesus follower, you should be enjoying Him now. Uh, we tend sometimes to take parts of the Bible literally that we should take figuratively, and stuff we should take figuratively, we, we take literally. And when we do that second one, we become legalist. We go about the about the letter of the law instead of the spirit of the law. But the opposite is also true. And uh, back in, uh, tell you how old I am, back in 1973, I'm in my first semester of seminary down in North Carolina, and I'd be coming home on the weekends to, to near Baltimore. And uh, I finally decided, okay, God, I'll start, to start doing this preaching thing. So the spring of 73, I preached my first sermon. It was actually in Winchester, Virginia, believe it or not, or outside of Winchester, Virginia. Little country church. And my text that day was Philippians 4 4. Anybody know what that says? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now that's one of those verses we say, ah, uh, that doesn't mean literally. We'll just take that figuratively. No, 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 no. That's one of those verses that God wants us to take literally. In fact, we say sometimes when things aren't going well, I can't be rejoicing in the Lord. Now my pushback would be that's especially when you and I need to be enjoying the Lord, is when uh, we're going through difficult times. In fact, I'm stated, stated this way on the outline. The joy of the Lord is, should be, <laughs> is the emotional baseline for us that are Jesus followers. Okay, no matter what else is going on, good or bad, that's the baseline. That's where we start in the joy of the Lord and what he's done for us in relationship to him. It's interesting. When the angels announced the coming of Jesus, they could have said anything. And what did they say? I come to bring you good news or, or good tidings of what? Great joy. Could have said anything. Great peace. Great, it's great joy. And we have great joy when we take God seriously and we don't take ourselves too seriously. And what happens when we take ourselves too seriously and not God not seriously enough, uh, we lose the joy. Now, it's interesting. Back in the Old Testament, 
in the Jewish religion, Jewish faith, actually still today, I guess they do this. There are, God instituted seven feasts or se- seven holidays or seven celebrations. We're going to put them up there on the screen for you. One of them you're familiar with, Passover, because that's what we celebrate at Easter time. But during the year, uh, and 50 days later is Pentecost, uh, f- we know about that one, uh, they would have these festivals because the Israelites had the same problem you and I had. They remembered stuff they should forget, and they would forget things they should remember. And when we do, do the Lord's Supper, it said to remember me, to remember me. We have to remember the stuff God did for us and forget the, you know, the bad stuff we've done and, and understand that God's forgiven us for that, and we have a personal relationship with him, etc. So why would God give them seven feast days, seven, not all of them are days, some of them are more than one day, celebrations, so they would remember that to make the main thing the main thing, right? And it's difficult at Christmas time, isn't it? Because we get Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph the Red Dose Reindeer and all those other things, but they're, they're fun, but it makes it hard to keep the main thing the main thing, doesn't it? Now, the interesting thing is, we get to do two things here on earth that we're going to be doing in heaven for eternity. One is what we call worship. From what we can tell, worship is going on in heaven right now. And uh, we get to do that here on earth, right? So it's a little bit of taste of what we're going to do in heaven. Even though uh, worship is more than just singing, it's that sense of awe we talked about and, and listening to some guy talk, right? <laughs> uh, but the other thing is this, is celebrating. And the Bible says anytime anybody steps across that line and becomes a Jesus follower, there's this party thrown in heaven. So if you're a Jesus follower, whenever that happened in your life, they threw a party in heaven for you. And if you're not a Jesus follower, and hopefully one day you will be, there's gonna, they're going to throw a party for you in heaven. And so I got thinking about this, especially with missionaries all over the world, probably about every one or two seconds, <laughs> all over the earth, somebody's stepping across that line, right? So it's a continual party in heaven, a continual celebration of, hey, we got one more person in the family, we got another person in the family, we got another person in the family. How fantastic is that? Another way to say this, it's overdosed on joy. Uh, put m- Put my translation up here. By the way, if you don't know, my full name is Henry Allen Youngbar. So there's my initials. Here's my translation. It's actually four Greek words. Jump for joy like little children. And if you need a picture of that, we're going to give you a picture of that. All right. time you jumped on your bed. <laughs> That's your homework assignment. Go home and jump on your bed. Now, what we do is the grandkids come, we put this, uh, what do you call it, inflatable mattress down thing. That's a little safer. Some of the sec- people in the second service, they said they weren't going to try that. <laughs> but it's pretty safe if you're down, down low. So our little grandkids will jump up and down, and so will we. <clears throat> so, this past year, have you Rejoiced? Have you enjoyed the things of God as much as you should have? 
Uh, let me just say, joy is found today just where it was found 2,000 years ago, in Jesus Christ. And those that are Jesus, us Jesus followers understand that. If you're not, uh, we'd love to share that with you. These, these wise guys, if you want to call them that, traveled all this way, discovered the baby Jesus, and their lives were changed forever. So here's something I want to share with you this morning. It's about focus. It's about focus. We can either focus on our sins, mess up, the way we don't do what we should do, do what we shouldn't do, or we can focus on our Savior. We can feel bad, or we can be, be happy for what He's done for us. He loved us enough to do that for us. Now, I don't know if you're going to get the gifts you want at Christmas. I really don't look, look forward to any, any gifts because it's not my birthday, right? So, uh, but we do give gifts, and that's fun. But the interesting thing about having a relationship with Jesus Christ is he brings the gift, the gift of eternal life. He gives it to us. His birthday, and he brings the gift. How cool is that? So choosing to focus. And lastly, wise men... Give gifts, what I was just talking about. <clears throat> What's the best, easiest way to bless somebody else? Just give them a gift. It doesn't have to be a, a, a physical gift. It doesn't have to cost a lot of money. It can be something that just shows your uh, appreciation. Um, <clears throat> someone told me this last week when they were leaving the, the door. I enjoy listening to you speak. Now, I kind of speak for a living, right? <laughs> and for Somebody to tell me that, man, I, I thought about that all week. Now, some of you just put up with me. I know, I know. But somebody here <laughs> enjoys listening to me speak. And that was a gift. I was blessed by that. And hopefully he was blessed by, by telling me. Now, these gifts that Jesus got seem to be the wrong gifts. If you're a toddler, do you want gold, frankincense, and myrrh? You probably want an action figure or Legos or something, right? <laughs> but did we see the wisdom of God in all this? And God's provision, what happens right next? They have to head off to Egypt. Where do you think the money came from for them to go off and live in Egypt? I'm conjecturing, but this gold provided the means for them to keep the baby Jesus safe. And I want to end with this statement this morning. Your gift is someone else's miracle. I just shared about yesterday. Uh, we put it out there on Facebook, and some of you vo- volunteered, and some of you wanted to, but you couldn't. And a family in the church, uh, a couple with uh, health issues, were moving yesterday. And so, uh, I don't know, half a dozen of us went to help them move. And because we had so much help, well, we got there at 9.30, and we were finished at uh, 9, and we were finished by 11.30, moving from Cascade <laughs> to uh, Boonesboro. Uh, I can't speak for the rest of the people, but I, I think I can we were blessed by being able to do that, right? That was just, just, just cool. And me as a pastor to see the church respond that way was cool. And of course, this couple was really greatly blessed. And I want to thank you folks for being a, a, the generous church you are, not just financially. Uh, I think about the four people that were baptized this year and eight, eight more. We have two baptized, the 20 people that have joined the church. The only way that can happen it's because of your generosity, not just in finances, but it costs money to, to do this stuff, but also volunteers to work, take care of the kids and the cafe and building and, and all that stuff. But I want to start, end with a story from uh, 
time we were in Portugal because we're taking the mission offering and how important that money is. We got to, to live there and, and not have to worry if we would have food to eat or, or money for transportation or to pay our electric bill because all these churches providing this money. But um, we moved to southern Portugal and I started pastoring two churches. And uh, the mission board provided a house for us to live in. And uh, not like our duplexes, but the house, there was a house attached to our house on this side. And I'm about 36 at this time, 36 years of age. My wife's about 30. And uh, this, I called her elderly lady. She probably is in her late 50s. <laughs> I'm younger than me now, but uh, was our neighbor. And she wasn't, well, she was religious. She didn't know Jesus. She was Catholic, like most Portuguese. And so we got to, to befriend her, to love on her, to talk to her. And in the two plus years we were there, she became a Jesus follower. And that's just one little story from our lives. And we've got almost 5,000 missionaries. And the great thing about missionaries is it's incarnational. We can send money overseas. We can send Bibles overseas. But the greatest thing to do is to send somebody that's a Jesus follower. We can rub shoulders. People can rub shoulders with a Jesus follower. It's the closest thing they can get to rubbing shoulders with Jesus. So again, I thank you for your generosity. I can ask you to pray about your involvement in this mission offering. Uh, I've told you this before. We, spend, we give more money to the mission offering, my wife and I, than we spend on all the other Christmas gifts we, we buy. So I'm not saying this is the amount, but we spend $1,000 on our kids and grandkids. We give more than $1,000 to this mission offering. Because what is going to be lasting? The gifts our grandkids get, they probably won't find them next year. But I still know. In fact, I know this lady that was our neighbor. Now, is we celebra- they celebrated in, in heaven when she stepped across the line. And one day, we'll be able to be in heaven and, and celebrating with her. So thank you for being here this morning. Next week, I'm going to talk about my pastor's heart. Uh, I do this about once a year. And hopefully, you can join us. I, uh, we talk about our church. So let's pray. Father God, thank you. It's great to... Uh, to learn some things from kindergartens or learn some things from the wise men. Yeah, the, the, the sense of awe we should have. Um, the sense of joy. And the fact that we can be a miracle to someone else by our willingness to give. And we pray for anyone that's not a Jesus follower God. We're glad that you're here. We hope today will be the day. Or maybe they go just a step closer to stepping across that line. And uh, being one of your children, experiencing the joy that the shepherds and the wise men and those of us who are Jesus followers know and understand. We thank you for what you've done for us, Jesus, and it's your name we pray. Amen. You have your Connect card, response cards. Let us know any questions, comments you have, or, or if you stepped across the line especially. We'd love to talk to you about that. Thanks.